I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, going to be a solo episode. I'm going to run through a recent article that I wrote about Adam Gase's one, her first year performance as a New York Jets head coach and really focus this podcast into talking about the New York Jets head coach, which is always a popular thing to debate and fight about on Jets Twitter as we wait for football to come back. If you have not yet, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast. It is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. It is now happily part of the Team Whistle Podcast Network, along with Play Like a Jet. Much more to come there, but excited to uh, continue to crank out shows on this feed, uh, even during the quiet time of the NFL season. Yesterday, we ran uh, a full exclusive preview of our Badlands premium podcast. We ran uh, our episode on the 2015 Missed Window season, hosted by me, Connor, and Dalvin Asario. It was a real fun one, and the, the first 10 episodes in the Badlands feed are an audio docuseries that Connor and I did and released in February, uh, and since then, we've been doing consistent you know, episodes, I would say, every week, every other week. Once the season gets here, will 100% be every week, so I definitely encourage you to check that out at turnonthejets.podbean.com. That is an ad-free podcast. It is $9.99 for a full-year subscription. You get the 10-part audio docu-series. You get the other 13 episodes we have recorded since then, including recent ones with Connor Hughes of The Athletic, uh, Jordan Reed of The Draft Network, uh, C.J. Mosley, uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo on the Jamal Adams situation. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, likely we'll have our next episode at some time early next week, uh, but definitely you will get a few more in July, and then once we get to August with training camp, we'll have weekly if episodes, if not a touch more than that, as part of our season preview package. So that is turnonthejets.podbean.com. Back to the focus on today's episode. So when the Jets hired Adam Gase, uh, it was not a popular decision uh, with fans, wasn't a popular decision with me. However, uh, a few weeks after they hired him, I I did a 12-pack basically with six positives and six negatives about his three years in Miami as a head coach. Things that you know, jumped off the page. Every coach, every player, regardless of them overall generally being bad, like Gase, or generally being good, like 
other more successful coaches or players have positive and negatives overall. So what I did with this article, uh, which I wrote a few weeks back, was basically looked back at those positive and negative trends uh, to see if they held in his first year as a New York Jets head coach. So Gase has now been a head coach in the AFC East for the last four years. Uh, this will be his fifth straight year upcoming. Uh, first three with Miami, now these two with the Jets. His first year with the Dolphins, 10-6, and six, makes the playoffs, then goes 6-10, and 10, and then goes 7-9 and nine, uh, the previous two seasons. So one of the main things in the positive column that was talked about with Gase when they hired him, is that coming into the season with the Jets, Miami was 20-6 and six in games decided by eight points or less, so one possession games. That is a uniquely strong record in games that are close, and the Jets had struggled in close games under Todd Bowles. Over to the course of 2017 and 2018, they were only 6-12 and 12 in those games. So the hope was that Gase would continue that success and help the Jets get over the hump by winning those close games. There were some questions where... Would there be some regression to the mean? Because wins and losses in one possession games could often hinge on certain things related to luck, missed field goals, turnovers, things that inevitably sort of even out over time. This trend did hold for Gase in 2020, as the Jets were 5-2 and two, uh, in games decided by 8 points or less. Their only losses were Week 1 to Buffalo, where they lost 17-16, and 26-18 to Miami. Uh, that one's a Bit of a shaky one because they really lost that game 26-15. They kicked the field goal with no time left to cut it to eight. Regardless, uh, it holds in the statistic. They beat Dallas, Pittsburgh, the Giants, Miami, uh, and Buffalo's backups in Week 17 by one possession or less. Uh, so 5-2 and two overall. So now Gase is up to 25-8 and eight in games decided by eight points or less uh, throughout his co- coaching career or over the last three years. So will that continue to hold? Uh, I think Jet fans should definitely hope so. Uh, it does seem that it would be likely that there could be some regression to the mean, but this has been three years now, so maybe he just has a knack uh, for finding a way to win these tight games. Now, the negative of this stat is coming into last year. He was 3-19 and in games where the outcome was decided by eight points or more. So basically, you have a situation where his team gets blown out a lot and rarely has big, convincing victories. This is kind of similar to what we saw uh, from Rex Ryan with the Jets in you know 2012, 2013, 2014 range, particularly uh, 2013, where they would alternate these you know surprising, impressive, close wins over teams like the Saints and the Patriots, and then get throttled by teams like the Bengals or the Jaguars. Ironically enough, um, that is kind of similar with those exact same teams to what we saw at the Jets in this past year. So, you know, coming into this year, you know Miami. You know, under Gase had lost, you know, 42-17 to, to Buffalo, 42-23 to Houston, 38-7 in New England. A lot of blowouts in that last Miami season. If you look at 2020, this is another trend that hold as the, held as the Jets were 2-7 and seven in games that were decided by eight points or more. Uh, let's take the Luke Falk games out of it uh, because he was Luke Falk and he had no business playing in the NFL. What really sticks out here is that they lost by double digits to the Cincinnati Bengals and Jacksonville Jaguars, who were two of the worst teams in the NFL. Cincinnati was actually the worst team in the NFL and picked first in the draft. They also lost by 21 to Baltimore and 33 to New England, still with Sam Darnold. Uh, And you could also make an argument that that first loss loss to Miami really belongs in this category. Regardless, the overall trend held. Getting blown out a lot, uh, including to bad teams, particularly on the road, but then winning uh, close games, particularly at home. Uh, back into the positive column, 
Uh, Gase, 23 and 25 overall coming into his Jets career. Uh, he had to deal with a combination of Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, Matt Moore, Brock Osweiler. Not the most impressive collection of quarterbacks on paper. This was before Tannehill's comeback player of the year campaign. Uh, Miami was generally in playoff contention those two years, at least into November, uh, December, although they never really threatened too much. Uh, and they were generally competitive against New England, two and four against New England, Gase was, and two and two over the past two years, which is always important. You know, Todd Bowles was 0 and 6 against New England over his last three years. Uh, 2020, this competitive against New England trend didn't hold. And that'd be fair. Gase had Luke Falk for one of those games. He had Darnold for one of those games. But the Jets were 0 and 2 against New England and didn't score a single offensive touchdown in either game. Uh, the Jets were 7-6 and six overall with Sam Darnold, a stat that fans understandably love to point to. Um, but Gase continuing to struggle with his backup quarterbacks, and he went 0-3 with them this year, uh, was again uh, something that held his team out of the playoffs. And generally his winning percentage, which was 44 uh, in 2019, matched his career winning percentage, which was 47. So really tight. Basically, he was a 7-9 and coach before he came here, and he was a 7-9 and coach this year. The seven and six with Darnold is, look, you you are what your record says you are. Seven and six is seven and six. I do think it's important to dig into the context a little bit. That week seventeen win against Buffalo's backups, you know, sweating one out against Duck Hodges at home. Uh, there wasn't really, I, I would say, a banner win there. Maybe outside of Dallas at home early in the season, and ultimately Dallas turned out to be a team who was not that good, but at the time was still a very impressive upset win. Uh, over to the negative. Um, during Gase's Miami's te- Miami tenure, they had the 18th highest winning percentage in the NFL, yet they had the 29th best point differential, uh, which basically means they weren't as good as their record said they were. Um, and that was a trend that, you know, probably plays into that record in close games and getting blown out a lot. Uh, their DVOA kind of mirrored this as they were 27th, uh, in both 2018 and 2017. So, DVOA, point differential, one of the worst teams in the NFL. You could basically say Miami had a better record because they beat up on the Jets in 2017 and 2018. Spencer Longgame comes to mind. Uh, I believe they had a game where they got to play Bryce Petty in 2017, things like that. This held, again, like most things with Gase, who was very much the guy he always was in Miami for the Jets last year. Uh, The Jets were 7-9, which was not one of the worst records in the NFL. You know, they picked... Uh, they, didn't, they didn't pick in the top 10 uh, in the NFL draft, yet they were 25th in point differential and 26th in DVOA. So Gase's overall team DVOA rankings the past three years have been 27th, 27th, and 26th. So basically you're getting a bottom seven team every year uh, with him as your head coach. When you look at DVOA, which I generally find to, pretty, to be a pretty accurate way to look at how good a team actually is. I, a good example from Jets history is you look at that 2013 team, you know, they were 8-8, eight and eight, but I think they were like 27th in DVOA. And if you watch that team, that made sense because they really weren't as good as their record showed. And I would say last year's team was similar. It was probably a team that was closer to a 5-11 and 11 team, but ended up 7-9 and nine overall. Um, a positive was that coming into last year, the highest passing rating of Ryan Tannehill's career had came under Gase at 93.5. Uh, and the same went for Cutler, Jay Cutler, back in 2015 at 92.3. Uh, the second highest passing rating of Peyton Manning's career came under Gase way back in 2013. 
Uh, and Gase did come with a reputation for being good with quarterbacks. Um, Manning gave him the positive recommendation. It's probably why he got hired. Now, you check in on this year, the highest passing rating of Ryan Tannehill's career came away from Gase. He actually put up a 117.5, uh, 24 points higher away from Gase and one most improved player in the NFL. Sam Darnold's rating did jump uh, from 77.6 to 84.3, so there was progress. I would say most fans thought it was a little more incremental than they were hoping for, but there was progress. Um, similarly, on the negative side of this, while the highest passing rating of Tannehill's career did come in 2015 under Gase, it was only a hair higher than a previous high he had without Gase the year before. Uh, and he also had overall pretty comparable numbers uh, in 2015 uh, without Gase than he did with Gase in 2016. Um, you know, Gase inherited Tannehill as an average starter who was, appeared to be overpaid. And when Gase left Tannehill, that was what the reputation was for him. And then Tannehill left, has this massive breakout year, gets a big new contract from Tennessee. Uh, I know everyone thinks of Tannehill just as this game manager because of how they used him in the playoffs, but look at his streak in the regular season and the numbers he was putting up uh, and ask yourself how you would be reacting if Sam Darnold was putting up those numbers. Uh, it was impressive what Tannehill did last year, and I, again, was not a Ryan Tannehill fan. Uh, did not see that coming like most people. Um, you know, the Peyton Manning stuff, he, you know, he's Peyton Manning, so I think he's, he's going to be good no matter who his offensive coordinator was. And you know, a lot of the press and the positive press that we, you know, heard about Gase coming into last year kind of came from the same small circle of players and coaches who actually happened to be rep by the same agent. It is what it is. You know, Gase does have a good reputation with certain players. We saw that when Frank Gore came here, but it was just something that kind of stuck out. You know, as we talked about, you know, Tannehill had a monster year away from him. Uh, so did guys like Devontae Parker and Kenyon Drake to an extent. Uh, and Darnold took a small step forward, although I would say the best stretch of Sam Darnold's career uh, was his three-game stretch in his rookie year against Buffalo, Houston, and Green Bay, uh, which was with Jeremy Bates as his offensive coordinator and a really bad supporting cast, just as bad, if not worse, of a supporting cast as he had in his second year. Um, a positive for Gase is that he had done some impressive work early in his career with a, a pretty wide range of quarterbacks, guys like John Kitna and Tim Tebow where he took, you know, guys who had limited abilities and got productive stints out of them. That didn't really hold last year, and it's hard to hold this against him. When we saw Trevor Simeon start for a half, he looked completely lost, but we only saw him for a half. Luke Falk was a guy who was here because he knew Gase's system, and Gase, you know, Falk looked completely overmatched and will probably never play uh, in the NFL. Uh, and in terms of kind of using a system, I think most Jet fans would agree that Gase probably forced Darnold to be a pocket passer more than he should be, and we all hope to see him on the move a little more next year. Um, you know, as a negative, one of the primary reasons that Gase was hired was that he was known for his offensive prowess and being a good play caller, being good with quarterbacks. Yet Miami was 26th in offensive DVOA in 2018 uh, and 27th in 2017. So, you know, bottom, bottom five-ish. Uh, even the one year they made the playoffs, they were only 14th overall, so kind of middle of the pack. Uh, 2017 and 2018, Miami didn't have an 1,000-yard rusher or 1,000-yard receiver. They had both in 2016 with J.J. and Jarvis Landry, but both were traded away after that due to some alleged personality clashes with Gase, uh, which you know seemed to be something that was rumored to be a common thing with him before the Jets hired him. The Jets finished 31st in offensive DVOA uh, in his four-year career. 
Gase has averaged finishing 25th overall in offensive DVOA, so bottom seven. Jets did not have an 1,000-yard rusher or 1,000-yard receiver last year, despite having Le'Veon Bell on the roster. And there were some clashes with guys like Kalecio Semele, Quincy Inouye, um, minor things, but things that you know did ultimately pop up. Um, a positive for Gase is that there has been some play calling creativity in his past, and he does a good job of building route combinations uh, that allow easy completions for Sam Darnold or for his quarterbacks, of which there was a lack of in Darnold's rookie year. And this is something that did hold. Darnold's completion percentage jumped four percentage points. Uh, Gase is good at manufacturing short, easy completions. Uh, that doesn't necessarily improve it yards per attempt because Darnold's was flat from year one to year two. Uh, but Jamison Crowder is the guy who really benefited from this best exemplified by week one, where I think he had like 14 or 15 catches. Uh, and it's going to continue to likely be the guy who leads the jets in receptions with those, you know, short, uh, short option routes, short hook routes, short screens that are going to keep Darnold's completion percentage somewhere in the mid sixties, hopefully going forward. Um, you know, as a negative, when I wrote the first article, there was a rumor the Jets were going to hire Dallas Loggins. I wrote that hopefully he would not just hire his buddy from Miami because they struggled in Miami. He would hire someone who would challenge him. The Jets gaze hired Loggins. They basically replicated the entire offensive staff from Miami. And the Jets, despite having the worst total offense in the NFL and 31st in DVOA, brought back their entire offensive coaching staff. Not ideal. Uh, not ideal at all. Uh, on the other side of the football, complete opposite story. Uh, he brought in Greg Williams, someone who he has not worked with before. Uh, there were some questions about Williams, but he was definitely um, a low floor, high ceiling decision uh, and something outside the box and someone who could challenge Gase. Gase was very open that Greg would be the head coach of the defense and Gase was going to be the head coach of the offense. And Greg was excellent in 2020. The Jets were top 10 in DVOA despite no C.J. Mosley, no Avery Williamson. Uh, probably the best decision Gase has made as a head coach for the Jets, besides pushing my, my, helping push Mike McCagden out, uh, was hiring Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator and getting the hell out of his way. Now, will the Jets' defense regress at all? You know, Will Greg be a little volatile in his performance like he's been previously in his career? That remains to be seen. But in year one, uh, that was a great hire. And the Jets on paper should be better on defense this year with Mosley coming back, Avery Williamson coming back, Pierre Desir being out at a corner, uh, hopefully a year two jump from Quinn and Williams. Uh, so this was a good move. You know, go outside the box, bring in someone new, bring in a fresh, a fresh voice, and it worked. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Last but not least, 
We talked about this a lot when they hired Gase. Usually when coaches struggle in their first run as a head coach, they take a few years off from that role so they can kind of assess, learn, then gear up for their second run. This worked for Pete Carroll, worked for Bill Belichick. We saw Mike McCarthy recently take a year off. Now he's back with Dallas. When a head coach is fired and jumps to another job, it definitely doesn't give him time for a reflection period or to change at all. What we've seen from what we just went through is that in most ways, Gase was exactly the same coach for the Jets in 2019 that he was for Miami uh, in 2016 through 2018. It's hard for people to change without taking a year off or having a break. And Jet fans should know this well, right? Rex Ryan did not have a year off between the Jets and the Bills. And every Jet fan saw where Rex was headed. He didn't take a year off. He goes to Buffalo. They miss the playoffs two years in a row, and he gets fired before the end of his second season. Eric Mangini doesn't take a year off for the Jets, goes to Cleveland, gets fired after two years. Uh, Herm Edwards traded to Kansas City. He did have one playoff year there, but then ultimately flamed out and got fired pretty quick. Uh, he was actually traded to the Kansas City by the Jets, which is funny to think about in retrospect, but usually not taking a year off doesn't pay off. And look, the Jets were 7-9 to nine and had the worst offense in the NFL Right now, they're projected by Vegas to win six and a half or seven games next year, which is basically saying the general expectation is they'll be another six and ten or seven and nine team, which would be exactly how it played out for Rex in Buffalo uh, and for Mangini in Cleveland, continuing that trend. So, you know, the general overall takeaway is that the guy he was for those three years in Miami is the guy he was in 2019. Now, will he be a different guy in 2020? Hard to say that he would be. The Jets made no changes to their coaching staff, particularly their offensive coaching staff. They've definitely added more talent. Uh, He has a better GM uh, for the full year uh, and didn't have to deal with Mike McCagnan uh, for early parts of the offseason. But it's hard to expect that a light switch is going to go on. I think the Jets are going to be very much the team that – an Adam Gase coach team and their way to not be six and 10 or seven and nine next year is going to be dependent on Sam Darnold taking a massive leap, not just a normal leap forward, but a massive leap. And if he could do that, that changes the equation because the Jets have a really hard schedule. They have a lot of travel they have to deal with. Uh, If they're going to overcome that and make that jump to 10 and six back to where Gase was in his first year, they're going to need a great year from Sam Darnold, like a borderline pro bowl year from him uh, and a few other things to break, right? Uh, in the health column, so not dealing with as many injuries and, you know, surprising people with some upsets. Is that going to play out? You know, I hope so. Uh, There's a reason that it's not something most pragmatic people would bet on, uh, why Vegas has them in that six and a half, seven range. If you ask me today, the Jets are probably a seven seven and nine team. Maybe they get to eight and eight, and maybe eight and eight's enough to make the playoffs with seven teams making the playoffs this year. But I would still say the expectation is going to be that the Jets' defense is going to be better than their offense and that their special teams is going to be a big part of why they could be good uh, like they were last year because their special teams was arguably the best in the NFL. And as we know in today's offense, having a better off today's NFL, having a better offense than defense uh, is more critical. And the Jets probably are not positioned to do that yet, uh, but we'll see. So that that is sort of the roundup. Uh, of where we're at, wanted to work through that article. Uh, look forward to all the angry tweets I will get about the Jets finishing 6-2 and two and Sam Darnold being 7-6 and six last year with Gase and uh, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and Peyton Manning liking him and all that good stuff that's regularly clogging up my mentions. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. 
if you did not get a chance yet, check out yesterday's episode on this feed. Uh, it, it's a fun, you know, ad-free walkthrough. Uh, what happened in the Jets' 2015 season, which has been the only season this decade that they were really competitive for a playoff spot. Uh, so, you know, a, a fun sort of evergreen listen that we wanted to bump. So, you know, subscribe here and then also check out Badlands at turnonthejets.podbean.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for your engagement on Twitter and for following the website at turnonthejets.com. We'll be back with new episodes next week.